what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to the Hustle Sold Separately. Uh, we are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, artists, entrepreneurs, CEOs, innovators, uh, mindset, you name it, people in and around the world. Uh, you guys are all amazing people that tune in every week and you tune in and you're you're just like any myself, any of our guests. You're usually anti-status quo, constantly figuring out, constantly building on something that you believe in. Maybe you're often misunderstood. So too are our guests at some point as well. And every week we have some of the most amazing guests around the world come on and talk about, you know, what are they experiencing in real time while they're building on their first venture, their 50th venture? It doesn't matter because they're constantly in an evolutionary process of who they are, what they're bringing to this world, what they're learning, and what they can pass on to anybody else. It also shows you that we are all humans going through human experiences. Nobody's immune to them. Uh, you know, we're, we're all always learning something new. And uh, you guys always hear me say, I don't glorify, glamorize, and success. Because it, it isn't overnight and it, there's no ending, you know, unless, unless we pass on. And even then, that's a whole other world that we go into. <laughs> but we're, gonna, we're not going to focus on that right now. I just want to thank each and every one of you guys. Lately, our growth has been just skyrocketing. Uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful for each and every one of you guys out there. Uh, as you guys know, I'm Matt Gottesman. For any of you guys just tuning in, um, you know, sooner, um, Matt Gottesman. You guys can uh, follow me on Insta at Matt Gottesman or at HDF Magazine, where we also talk a lot about you know the journey of entrepreneurship and creativity and mindset and um, you know sometimes that messy middle. And you guys can also find us at Hustle Sold separately as well on Insta. And you guys know I answer each and every single one of your texts, DMs. Uh, messages, uh, your notes on the wall for every post. I've been doing it for six years straight. I'm not about to stop. It's all about community and I appreciate each and every one of you guys. So we have another great, great theme and a phenomenal guest uh, on, we're going to be talking about breaking free from mental and emotional obstacles, right? Um, because that is essentially uh, what trickles over into your personal life, your business life, your relationships, your your world in general. And it's these same ones that are preventing you from, you know, achieving a lot of different goals of yours or your vision or your dreams and, and just getting in the way. And by the way, everybody has them at every phase. There's always, in fact, as you elevate, there's new ones you never even would have thought of ever come out uh, before. And so my guest today is John Asraf, and he's a CEO and founder of NeuroGym and world leading mindset and behavioral expert. I first came to hear about him a long time ago, a little bit before The Secret, which he was featured on. And uh, and then really appreciated seeing uh, his uh, his pieces on the uh, the secret in which I also um, that was one of what led me to do a vision board. Uh, I was just talking about that with him previously. Um, and I'm a firm believer in what we give energy to and what frequency we play on is what ultimately comes into our life. And, uh, you know, as a lot of people know, when it comes to like the law of attraction and, and um, thinking about. Um, it's really more about where are we giving our energy and our time and investing ourselves into it that draws these things in because we're obviously focused on it. 
And uh, so John is a very big proponent of that. As I mentioned, the leading mindset and behavioral expert in the world has appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Anderson Cooper, and the Ellen DeGeneres Show. Uh, his latest best-selling book, Inner Size, uh, The Proven Science to Unleash Your Brain's Hidden Power, helps individuals recognize and release the mental and emotional blocks that prevent you from achieving your full potential. Uh, he's built five multi-million dollar companies, including taking one public on NASDAQ and growing Remax of Indiana to 1,200 sales associates and $4.5 billion a year in sales. And he's written two New York Times best-selling books that have been translated to 35 languages and has been featured in eight movies, including the blockbuster hit, as I mentioned, The Secret and Quest for Success with Richard Branson and the Dalai Lama. And today he is CEO, as I mentioned, of Neurogym, which is a company dedicated to using the most advanced technologies and evidence-based brain training methods to help individuals strengthen their mindset so they unleash their inner power and maximize their results. John, welcome to the show, man. I'm so excited to have you on here. It's so good to be on. I'm so glad my mother sent you that awesome opening. Yeah, right? That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I mean, it's truly, truly awesome. And, you know, and I always say, uh, so the, the, the first question, and I know you've got such a, a phenomenal history and background. You can go as far back as you want, but for context for everybody, because I know we've got a lot of listeners that know of who you are and a lot of listeners that are just getting to learn who you are. But um, before we start getting into talking about these mental and emotional obstacles and how we can kind of break free from them, I'd love for you to go back as far back as you'd like. One individual actually went as far back as the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> but you can, you can go as far back as you'd like in, in terms of just, you know, your, your, your personal journey and how we got here. Um, sure. You know, listen, I'll, I'll keep it simple. Uh, I think the, the most important part is to, um, to start off with, you know, loving parents Father was a cab driver, mother worked in a local department store. They wanted the best for their children, like most of our parents, you know, did and do. Uh, my parents moved from Israel to Montreal, Canada in 1967 when, you know, another war broke out. They were tired of raising their children in, um, in, in a place that it was dangerous. And so moved from Israel to Montreal when I was five and a half and didn't speak the uh, French or English language. And for the first you know, three, four years, um, I was really, really challenged. Uh, I was in class with, you know, 50, 60 other kids. Uh, teachers didn't have the time to really teach me English, which all the other kids knew, or most of the other kids knew. And I started to develop just this uh, antsiness where, you know, I couldn't sit still because I was so bored in class and I couldn't really do the work or the homework because I didn't understand. And I, I just developed this I guess lack of confidence was one thing, um, low, lower than anticipated or desired self-image was another thing. And by the time I was 10, 11 years old, I was just getting into an enormous amount of trouble every day just about uh, in school, whether it was fights, um, you know, doing things in school that was upsetting teachers. I was in the principal's office a lot. And then by the time I was 13, I got involved in a little street gang uh, that just that did a lot of shoplifting and illegal things uh, like breaking and entering uh, into businesses and, and people's homes. And um, I just got into a lot of trouble with the law. So it started off on a, uh, it started off great when I was in Israel. And then it really uh, went downhill fairly fast, you know, over a 10 year period of time. And uh, I ended up leaving high school at grade 11 and I knew that uh, I was either going to go to jail or the morgue, one of the two. And the reason I know that is um, one of my friends died. Uh, a couple were in jail. 
a few were in um, in uh, I guess juven- ju- juvie hall we called it or right. you know prison prison for juveniles. And fortunately, um, I escaped that uh, from being my reality, and um, I was very 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 lucky and fortunate. Uh, and you know I always say that. A lot of times we'll take our mess and turn it into our message if we're paying attention. And I was fortunate that I had people who cared about me around me uh, that intervened and tried to help me get off of this, you know, train track that was heading in the wrong direction and picking up speed. And so that's that's the you know the earliest of um, of you know where I can take you. I was I was very athletic and uh, did very well in sports, and that's the only thing I did well in. And I remember in grade 11, um, you know, I was voted most likely to fail in life. And uh, that was a, a big bruise to, uh, to my heart more than my anything else. It's like, wow, they really think I'm stupid. And, um, and that was, that was the, uh, the early years. And then um, I, I often share, there's, there's one of the reasons I do what I do today and write and share and, um, and help others is – uh, there were there were two things that that changed my life. Um, one specific one that uh, I've shared the story many many times, and it's worth repeating. I my brother was really concerned for my well being, and um, my brother and I have been best friends uh, for our whole lives. And uh, one day he calls me up and says, "Hey, listen, bro, uh, you know this this is getting you know a little out of hand. Can you come and visit me in in Toronto?" He was living in Toronto, Canada. I was in Montreal at the time. And um, I took the train because I didn't have a car uh, at 18 years old, 19 years old, actually, and um, got to Toronto. He said, I arranged for a lunch with uh, one of my clients. My brother was a tennis uh, coach. And so he arranged for a lunch with a gentleman by the name of Mr. Alan Brown and uh, really, really just a nice human being. Uh, What I didn't know at the lunch was that Alan Brown was worth probably about $200 million at the time back in 1980. Um, he had a real estate um, enterprise of uh, real estate holdings plus a real estate company plus a whole bunch of other investments. He was a philanthropist, a husband, a father, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and in all essence of success, he was it. And my brother had arranged for me to have lunch with him. Um, and, and I sat down for lunch and he was very cordial and very nice. And he asked me, like, what, what are your goals? You know, you're a 19-year-old man. What are your goals? And I said, what do you mean? I, I, didn't, I didn't really even know what a goal was. <laughs> he, says, <laughs> he says, like, is there anything that you want to achieve in your life? I said, well, I, you know, I'd like to get my own car. I'd like to move out of my parents' house. You know, I'd like to have some money to go out and maybe travel and do some stuff. And he says, okay, I mean, that's basic, you know, necessities and maybe a little, a little fun stuff. He said, well, what about bigger goals? Like, what do you, you know, what do you want to uh, do five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. <laughs> and I thought he was nuts. I was 19. Like, what do you mean what I want to do 20 years from now? I don't know what I want to do next weekend other than go out, you know, maybe hook up with some friends and uh, have fun and drink and party and, and be a 19-year-old. And he said to me, he said, listen, you know, you're, you're obviously getting into a lot of trouble. I know that. And you probably don't even know why you're getting into a lot of trouble um, but if you're willing to answer a few questions and do a little bit of work right now with me, I might be able to help you break free from that. And I said, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll, I'll answer any question you want. So he gave me these 
um, documents, and it was a 1980s goal-setting guide. Mm. And basically, when I opened up this guide, um, you know, it said, you know, uh, what, at what age do you want to retire? Um, how much will your net worth be? Uh, how much do you want to give to charity? Uh, what kind of car will you be driving? What kind of home will you be living in? What kind of trips will you be taking? How will you be helping other people? It had all of these questions around, you know, what I want to achieve in 20 years or when I retire in five years, in one year, in three years. And I was like, holy shit, this is a lot of fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's so true. <laughs> and so... And and so I, I, he looked at me and he says, do you have any questions? I said, well, I mean, this is going to take me some time. He says, good. Well, we have, you know, lunch and this afternoon. So why don't you <laughs> go and sit and just write out as much as you can? So um, I remember writing out, and I was 19 at the time. I wrote out, I want to retire at 45 with $3 million in net assets. Um, I want to drive a Mercedes Benz. I want to own my own home. I want to travel the world first class, blah, 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 blah. I wrote down all these goals for what it would look like, you know, 20 plus years later, 25 years later. And I remember thinking if I write down, you know, 25 years from now, he'll probably be dead and he won't know whether I achieved them or not. (laughs) (laughs) And so I wrote down all of these stuff, just stuff. Uh, most of it was just out of my imagination. I pulled it out of my butt, basically. And um, and when I came back, you know, I don't know, 45 minutes later, he was still talking to my brother. He says, uh, he says these are some great goals. Like, where'd you get most of them? Um, and I said, well, you know, I, I, I like watching that show on TV called Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with right. Robin Leach. And he goes, yeah, I know that show. I like watching that show also. And then he he, he kept reading. And then he asked me a question. Um, that it was it was the defining question that really transformed my perspective and my life. And he looked at me square in the eyes and he said, "John, are you interested in achieving the things that you wrote down on that piece of paper, those pieces of paper, or are you committed?" Hmm. And I I did just what you just did. Mm. And, and I said, Mr. Brown, what, what, what's the difference? And he said, son, if you're interested, you'll do what's convenient. Yep. If you're interested, you'll come up with stories and reasons and excuses why you can't. If you're interested, they'll just stay on this piece of paper and you won't do anything about it. If you're interested, you'll just leave here and say that was a nice lunch. He says, but... If you're committed, you will upgrade your knowledge and your skills so you can achieve every one of those goals. You will upgrade what you believe is possible for you. You will augment your self-image to that of the person that these goals are easy to achieve versus hard to achieve. It says if you're committed, you will overcome the fear of failure on your way to achieving these goals. You will release the need to not be embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged because you will be when you go after big goals. So true. So so when you're interested, you'll do what's convenient and easy. And when you're committed, you do whatever it takes. So I was like, wow, that's (laughs) that's pretty profound. Even at 19, I knew that that was profound, right? Yeah. And, and the only time in my life that I 
ever did whatever it takes was I made it to the junior Canadian or the, the, um, the junior um, Quebec basketball team, which meant I was one of the best players at 17 years old in Quebec. Mm. And so I said to him, well, Mr. Brown, I'm committed. And as soon as I said that, he put his hand out and he grabbed my hand and he says, in that case, young man, I will become your mentor because I've achieved most of those goals and then some. Mm. Mm. I'm like, wow, great. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck does being my mentor mean? <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and so he said to me, it's great. So what I want you to do is I want you to finish this goal-setting document and I want you to go home. And then when can you be back in Toronto? I said, well, I could take the train back next week. He says, no, 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 I want you to move here. I said, what are you talking about move here? I've got a job in Montreal. I've got friends in Montreal. I've got, you know, uh, all the stuff in Montreal. He says, are you interested or are you committed? Hmm. I said, what are you talking about? Like, I don't have a job here. I don't have any money. I can't. He says, John, you don't understand, do you? I said, you're giving me, he said, you're giving me stories and excuses why you can't. I want to know if you're committed. If you're committed, you will move here. I said, fine, fine, I'll move here. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but fine, I'll move here. And he says, good. That's what commitment sounds like. And my brother says, well, bro, you can live with me for a while. I said, well, okay. Well, that took away one of the objections. So I went home. Um, actually, before I went home, he says, great. And the other thing I need you to do is only one more thing. is I need you to enroll in real estate school. And the next class starts on June the 5th. This was May of 1980. And you'll, I'll tell you in a minute why I remember these dates so well. Um, I, I said, a real estate class? I hate school. <laughs> I did poor. I did so badly in school. They freaking kicked me out so many times. I don't want to enter another classroom ever again. He says, John, there you go again. I said, what? 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 There I go again. He says, you're giving me another story, an excuse, and a belief, and a reason why you won't. I said, Mr. Brown, I don't have any money, and I hate school. Those are facts. He says, don't confuse facts for the truth. Mm. He says, they may be your present facts and circumstances, but don't confuse that for the truth. And I said, well, I don't have the money. He says, well, find out how to get the money. You don't need the money until you make a decision. Oof, that's true. <laughs> so, whoa, okay. And then he said to me something like, let me, let me give you an example. You know, if... Um, you needed to get to see your girlfriend and you didn't have money and she lived 30 miles away. Would you figure out a way to see your girlfriend? Yeah. I said, of course I would. He says, yeah, that's because you want to have sex, right? I said, well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, he said, great. So your motive for figuring it out is really high when it comes to sex, but into changing your future, okay, you can't figure out how to come up with $500 to get into a real estate class so that I can mentor you. And my brother then chimes in and says, hey, bro, I can lend you a couple hundred bucks. I said, well, I've got about $60 in the bank, so I'm halfway there. My brother says, why don't you ask our sister? She'll help you. Long story short, Josh, my sister lent me a little bit of money. My father lent me a little bit of money. I put the $500 together, enrolled in real estate school, moved to Toronto, Canada, got into real estate school. June the 5th, 1980 was the first 
day that I was in real estate class from nine to five. I did five weeks of nine to five every day. And the reason I remember these dates so well is because I passed the test on June the 20th and I didn't cheat. Mm. Mm. And he said, your first lesson is that you made some commitments and you followed through. That should increase your self-confidence. The second lesson is you didn't have the money and you figured out a way how to overcome that and you found it and you did it. The third lesson is you don't need to fucking cheat in life. Do the work and the rewards will be there. It's true. It's true. Profound. Right? Yeah. Very profound. Like I'm getting chills talking to you about it right now. Very profound. Do the work and the fucking results will be there. And so, Josh, just to, you know, I hope I'm not boring you or anybody else, but that was my beginning uh, at 19 years old. And then he mentored me. And in the first 12 months of working with him, uh, I made um, $31,000. Uh, and he made, you know, whatever his split was. Right. He taught me how to sell real estate. He taught me a lot of stuff. And then um, in, in, uh, in keeping me upgrading my skills by an hour a day, he said, if you study for an hour a day uh, what I tell you to study, uh, you will be able to write your own ticket with as much income as you want. And so every day he had me sharpening my skills uh, on selling. And the second year I made $151,000. Mm. I was... 20 years old. You, you know, and it's a, it's interesting because you also hear people, I, I tell people all the time that to go seek out mentors and, and you, the, and even in those examples, they give um, excuses of, well, like, I don't know where to find them. I don't know this and I don't know that. And I'm like, I'm like, again, you, you have to take a step back and be like, where is it you're, you know, you're trying to go and who would you potentially trade places with knowing that they have so much, um, you know, to offer and then you'll find a way, you know, that's and right. And, and it's so it's interesting, even when and, and I bring that up just because how fortunate for you at such a young age to come across a human being who was um, not only willing to mentor you, but from a true leadership knew how to guide you there. So you could figure that uh, some of those early uh, lessons out for yourself, because that that's a hard that's a there's a fine line with leadership because it's like they can't enable you. They have to. They have to get you to see what they already know. And in oh, the, he, right? yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. He definitely was not an enabler. <laughs> yeah. He was a facilitator, but not an enabler. You could tell. The other thing that I remember he shared with me he says, "Listen, I, I will teach you the very best I've ever learned, and the only thing I ask for in return is you apply it and then teach others once you've achieved the success that will allow you to." Mm. And you have. Ever since. And, and that's that's the promise. You want to hear you want to hear a really interesting story? Of course. Um, I was on I was on a podcast uh, probably about six months ago, and um, my office gets a call uh, the day the podcast came out, and uh, this individual says, "Hey, I just heard um, John Asraf on a podcast, and I think he was talking about my father." <laughs> and so my um, my assistant or my a gal who works in our client care team, now my assistant Kristen says, "Hey John, this guy left you a message, blah blah blah. Uh, what do you want me to do with it?" I said, "Listen, Kristen, I don't have time. It's probably a bunch of you know baloney. My Alan Brown is you know dead long time ago. I tried to look for him in Toronto many years when I went there." And um, so four or five days later, this young man calls back and says, did you give my message to John Asraf? And she said, yeah, and he doesn't believe it, it to be true. And the guy says, no, I'm telling you, I really think that this is my father. So long story short, I get on a call with this young man. I think his name was Jordan. And sure enough, Jordan 
is Alan Brown's son. And within a minute, you know, we were talking about his mother and his brother and his sister. And um, he gets me on the phone with his father, who is still alive wow. in Florida, retired. Mm. Oof, oof. And so Alan and I get on a call and Lori, his wife as well, get on a call and we reminisce and I remind Alan of everything he did for me and helped me. And then I asked Lori to send me a picture of him. And he looks as healthy and vibrant and energetic today as he did 40 years ago. Mm. That's how long it was, like 40 years ago, 39, 40 years ago. So how's that for a little serendipity? Oh. Um yeah, and I, I had a chance to really thank him because I tried to thank him for so many years, but I couldn't find him. He had changed the name of his real estate company, and he wasn't listed anywhere else, and he wasn't on social media. Right. So, oh, that's anyway. that's incredible. I mean, it, had he been following? Had he seen you out no. there in the world at all? Or? No idea. No, I, I lost track of him back in like nineteen eighty, you know, two or three or four. Right, but had he seen any of your work? Because I mean, your work no, is pretty public. No, no, wow, no, that's crazy. He hadn't seen anything. Wow, that which actually makes it even even more memorable yes. of a of a reconnection, yeah. right? You know, he's yeah, like, what absolutely. You, what have you been up to, John? <laughs> you yeah. know, you know, like, a lot actually. It's been a you know, you you changed the entire course of my life. Uh, <laughs> well, that's that, I said to him. I said, you may not know this, but that one question, that one answer. Me saying I'm committed and you reaching out and touching my hand and saying then I'll be your mentor changed the trajectory of my life. Me, and he goes, wow. He says, I, I, I had no idea. I said, well, thank you. And because of you, you know, I, 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 you know, I went in an entirely opposite direction that I was going to head in. And it was very, very touching, obviously, uh, well, for me. You know, uh, because of what you learned from him and your commitment to paying it forward, and this is one of the topics I wanted to ask you about, you know, as you became a mentor for other people, you probably come across every type of person <laughs> in that process. And, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of excuses out there. There are a lot, a lot of excuses and, and, and I get it cause there's also a lot of, um, obstacles that people have either put themselves in, um, ended up in, whether by circumstance, by voluntarily putting themselves there, or just for whatever number of reasons. And they, uh, for, for me, what like major transformation happened for me about seven years ago, eight years ago, when I actually started really taking a long, hard look at the man in the mirror. And even though I had a good life, I still ended up in, in, in certain circumstances that it just, I was like, how did I get here? And it's not until we actually take a look at ourselves and start poking at all of our patterns, all of our, you know, our layers, understanding, you know, our, our choices. Why did I make those choices? What triggers were they linked to? Was there any trauma? You know, how do I heal it? How do I have a better relationship? With it? I mean, all of that stuff is a lot of work and a lot of people are walking around not necessarily knowing that they're carrying all these things. How do you, you know, how do, how do people break from those? How have you noticed? I mean, I know how I did it, but it was, it's a lot of work, man. <laughs> you know, it's still a lot of work. Well, you know? it's a lot of work um, to dive deep. Yeah. And it's a lot of work to suffer as yes. well. Yes. So there's, there's only five things that will hold somebody back. 
Um, something that I teach, and, uh, and I'm big on, on really teaching people how and what and why. Um, and in my, in my newest book that you mentioned earlier, Inner Size, The New Science to Unlock Your Brain's Hidden Power, the, the first thing to understand about your brain is one of the greatest gifts that we have uh, is the gift of awareness. Yes, yes, yes. And there's something that I, that I talk about and teach is, is this. It's awareness is what gives us choice, mm. and choice is what can give us freedom. Mm. So the thing to understand is regardless of what your past traumas are, regardless of what your current situation is, regardless of what's happened to you by whomever, regardless of what disempowering belief you have right now or what fears you have right now or challenging habits you have right now or the lack of knowledge or skill you have right now, the lack of believing in yourself and your self-image that you have right now, regardless of all of those, which are the only things that can hold you back, you can be at choice right this second and change. It's true. Right? So if you think about you know, a horse or a pig, they have the exact same organs, different sizes, of course, but the same organs as we do. The only difference with us humans and, and the human species is choice, awareness and choice. That's true. So we are aware and we're self-aware. And it's in this self-awareness that we can practice choice. Now, the thing that I always like to, to share with people is unfortunately for, for many of us, we, we were brought up in these environments of a lot of blame and shame and embarrassment and guilt. Um, and that's a very disempowered state to be in or to put somebody else in. So whenever I work with, whether it's my private clients, which um, maybe professional athletes or CEOs or, or the many people that I work with around the world, I always suggest that if you're going to be in a state of awareness, do it this way. No blame, no shame, no guilt, no justification. No blame, no shame, no guilt, no justification, just pure awareness. Because whatever it is that you become aware of, is part of your past, including the last second. That with a new choice and decision right now, you can change the trajectory. So if you haven't been fully committed, okay, no blame, shame, guilt, or justification, just awareness, and now I'm going to be. That's true. If you have a fear, right, and now I'm choosing to release it. If you have a limiting belief, now I'm making that a part of my past, and right this moment, I'm going to get better at a positive belief. So in an instant, we can change, and, and I call it collapsing the wave. Now, I'm going to get a little metaphysical or quantum physics on everyone for just a second. We love it. It's all good. We're, we're into okay. that. We're, we're all good there. <laughs> so what, what we know about the universe and energy is that we, we always exist, or we're existing in a state of potentiality. Mm-hmm. And... Whatever it is that we think about collapses the wave of possibility into a particle or probability. And so every second, I know that it appears that our life is stitched from one you know, nanosecond to another, but it's 
actually happening in fragments of time, mm -hmm. billions, trillions of seconds that we all coalesce and put together. So at any moment that I choose to feel good, to focus on what I want, to let go of something disempowering, to forgive, to release, to take a different action than I took a second ago, I have just changed myself. I have just collapsed a new wave, okay, um, into a particle of new reality. Now, if you bring all of these little particles together, um, they formulate your life. Yes. And so why not just be aware of the stuff that you've done well, the stuff that you're proud of, the stuff you're embarrassed to, to talk about or remember, and just say, that's just part of my past. And right this second, I'm choosing to become somebody different, somebody better, somebody more aware, somebody more congruent, somebody more whatever. You, you know, when you brought up, uh, especially about the particles, uh, people don't realize that that, that creates a frequency and then all of a sudden different it, the shift happens almost immediately and it's funny how uh, general society will call it oh this coincidence this coincidence happened today it's like no it didn't you changed internally inside at the at the particle level at the you know at the quantum physics level in the frequency and so of course it, this quote-unquote opportunity just happened or all of a sudden you the thing was always there now you're just seeing it because that's where your your that energy that you're putting into into that into that um, frequency. The other thing I want to bring up to you, I thought was really interesting about what you just said. Uh, I recently heard a, a rabbi friend um, say this about um, he helps with addiction specialists or excuse me, addiction people who are you know being cured of addictions and whatnot. And he had a, a, a client that was addicted to uh, alcohol and uh, gave up alcohol uh, about 20 years ago. And uh, a woman asked this uh, former, uh, uh, this man dealing, former dealing with, um, with alcoholism and said, oh, do you ever think about having a drink? And he said, well, the old me thinks about it every day. He's like, the new me has never had a drink in his life. And the whole, <laughs> right, right. I know. Yeah. And, and it caught me. So yeah. I was like, and because and, and the reason, the reason being is Rabbi was uh, giving a, um, a talk about choice that like you can change the trajectory at any point. And that new version of you exists in a new world that has not actually existed before. Therefore, that person has not actually done the thing that you fear or the mistake that you made or whatever it might be. Yeah, you might have a memory or an experience of it, but the new, this new you has no recollection. It's never done that thing before. You know, and at, at any given point, you can change just like that. That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, there isn't, a second that you are the same. It's true. Not a second. And, you know, a lot of people think, you know, that even, you know, you know where we are in the universe um, is, is stationary. And we know that, you know, Earth is spinning at dizzying speeds. The Milky Way galaxy is moving almost, you know, I think it's 600,000 or a million miles per hour away from its past mm -hmm. position. So you're never in the same place twice. You are never the same person twice. Uh, every second you're becoming more. Now the problem is that if you keep having the same thoughts and if you keep having the same emotions and you keep allowing your habitual way of being to control you, then you are recreating the same patterns like Groundhog Day yeah, over and over and over again. But I'm going to come back to um, but that means you're not 
at choice. And that is your greatest gift. So why not become aware of one of your greatest gifts and then be empowered with choice? Do you think, uh, you know, I was, I was watching a, um, a, another gentleman in your guys' uh, circle there um, talking about, you know, uh, epigenetics and quantum mechanics and, and you know, and, and things about mm-hmm. hab- habit at <clears throat> habit levels that our bodies are basically on autopilot. Why? Because they are basically programmed from every day up until now. And um, so that the, you know, that it's the mind that has to do the rewiring. Uh, otherwise, the body is basically on this this autopilot of patterns, which you can inevitably change at any given time. But if we don't become conscious or self-aware, what happens is the body's just going to do what it only always knows what to do. That that's just how it how it's it's structured. Um, but but that at any given point, once you understand, okay, I want to change the trajectory. I want to actually look towards the future of um, how I would like to feel brought present. Now I'm restructuring um, my, my focus, my consciousness about where, I, you know, how I would like to feel. And then, of course, the body actually struggles with that in real time because it's like, whoa, 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 where are you trying to go? Like, I'm only used to this. You know, why are you changing it up so fast? And it then draws people right back into their former habits because it feels uncomfortable once they start trying to make different changes. Right. So let's unpack that a little bit. You're, 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 you're hundred percent correct. And so let's first understand, and I'm going to go back to, you know, I hope it's not, uh, uh you, you don't mind, you know, what, no, the reason please, I wrote please. inner size is, is all of this is happening in our brain. Yes. And, yes. and so our brain's number one priority is safety for our life above all else. Number two is avoidance of pain or discomfort. Yes. And then number three is energy conservation. Right. So when a a baby is born, um, he or she doesn't have any beliefs, doesn't have any habits, doesn't have a self image, doesn't have um, any fears. Zero. So we become conditioned or programmed by cells connecting and associating meanings to things and creating these habit loops that conserve energy. So that the thing that took you, you know, maybe a few months to learn, like eating with a spoon or reading a book and knowing the alphabet and learning how to walk and riding a bike and brushing your teeth and tying your shoes and putting your clothes on by yourself, the things that took a lot of energy that caused you to sleep 20 hours a day to replenish that energy within the cells goes on autopilot. And basically, that turns off from working that hard around uh, our early teens. Excuse me. And so after the age of 15, 20, 25, all of these um, meta programs, we call them, run on autopilot by the subconscious autonomic nervous system in our brain. Yes. Without any thought. So when we become aware of our disempowering or negative thoughts, we become aware of the result that we don't like, we become aware of the feeling that is consuming you that's negative, and we want to change it, we know from all the neuroscience research now that change takes between 66 days and 365 days to switch a pattern that's automatic now to a new pattern that becomes the new 
default automatic pattern. Now, what's happening in our society today is everybody's, you know, focusing on these quick fixes. You know, you know, I take a, a drink or pills to get calm or to gain confidence. You know, or I, you know, I hop on social media and I get these little dopamine hits by clicking, 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 looking, looking, communicating, communicating, and we've forgotten the art of creation. We've forgotten yes. the art um, of of mastery. We've forgotten what does it take you know, to, to develop a skill. And so when we're looking at changing a habit, that means we have to interrupt different neurological patterns that have been reinforced for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in some cases. Now, we're talking about trillions of neural networks, not one or two. Now, if our brain wants to keep us safe in our comfort zone, our brain wants to conserve energy, do you really think your brain is going to allow you to switch without resistance, <laughs> without overwhelm, without confusion? No, that is the brain's way of reacting to change. Now, here's the problem. Most people have never been taught the skill of understanding their brain, how it reacts to change or to habits or emotions that are disempowering you when you want to switch them. So it's the absence of that skill that makes it hard for people. That would be like me sending you to, to China without a book, a, a cell phone, or a computer to learn even a language, you know, a, anything in a language uh, so you can communicate, and then you feeling frustrated, angry, upset that you can't understand what's going on there, and you can't order a meal. Mm. And true. so most people just have the wrong paradigm of how to look at change. And they have the, um, they're inadequately equipped with the, the, the skills that are needed to understand change. And here's one of the things that I, you know, I always tell people, the only constant, and this is a bit of a paradox, the only constant in the universe is change. Right, 100%. And yet, and yet we've, we've not been given the tools to deal with it. Nor do they teach that in school. That's right. <laughs> you know. And what what are I mean, uh, I know this is probably crossing over into a lot of your work. What are, you know, some of the the tools that um allow people to start to at least make that switch? Um sure. So one of the things that you know, I teach in my book that also comes with audio training and video training. It's like 12 bucks on Amazon. I give them a couple hundred bucks of training is um, there's a whole bunch of research on mindfulness, mm -hmm. which is a little different than meditation. It's a form of meditation, but it's a little bit different. Um, mindfulness is the ability to be aware uh, without judgment, blame, shame, or guilt or, um, or labeling stuff and then being deliberate on a consistent basis about choice, right? So when we, when we do things or say things like, she did this to me, he mm -hmm. did this to me, can you believe you know, what they just said or did and reacting to it? That means that the associations you have with that thing is negative. Mm, yes. Well, what if you can change that? And the answer is you can, because the meaning we give anything determines how we feel about it. 
And so what if we could learn how to give things different meanings that didn't disempower us or cause us to react in a negative way and actually empowered us and caused us to be able to respond in a positive way? These are all um, what I call our neuromuscles. Yes. Right? We have neuromuscles in our brain. So if you think about self-confidence is a neuromuscle. Awareness is a neuromuscle. Focus and attention is a neuromuscle. Framing things in a way that empower you are neuro, is a neuromuscle. Willpower is a neuromuscle. Tenacity, a neuromuscle. There are 50 different neuromuscles, just like we have physical muscles in our body, we have neuromuscles in our brain. But what have you ever learned about that in school or from parents or friends? And the answer for most people is not much or nothing. Yes. And I say, okay, that makes sense because it's only been in the last 20 years that we really have a new map to follow about the different parts of our brain. And here's something for, for people who are listening to chew on for a moment, okay? You have a brain, but you are not your brain. It's true. Right? And so some people go, what? what? It's like <laughs> you have a hand, but you're not your hand. You have a heart, but you're not your heart. Your brain is an organism that's dynamically switching and changing and rewiring itself every second of every day. Now, what if you can deliberately deactivate the stuff that disempowers you and actively create a new pattern to empower you. Would you want to know how to do that? All day long. All day long. So if you have a limiting belief, like, you know, I'm not good enough or smart enough or I'm too young or too old or too Asian or Caucasian or I'm trans or I'm gay or I'm, I'm bi or I'm whatever, or I don't have a college degree and therefore I can't succeed, uh, whatever your limiting beliefs are, or that I'm not worthy, or I don't deserve success, and you have all the reasons why, or you know I'm afraid of failure. What if you could learn how to turn all of those things around because they're happening because of something going on in your brain? And you can. And you can. And so that's the reason I wrote my latest book, is because the, the last 20, 30 years, I had become a student of neuroscience and neuropsychology to understand what since I have a brain you know how can I use it to my advantage instead of it working against me and if I got some disempowering ideas and beliefs or fears from my friends or family or parents uh, what if I can let go of those and and so that's what I've done for the last 40 years of my life is I've discovered how to do all that stuff, how to let go of stress or anxiety or overwhelm, you know, how to focus on the cause of stuff instead of the effects of stuff. And that's what led me to, to building some companies, to, to making my life um, as good as it can be uh, with all the highs and lows and ups and downs and challenges that, you know, that I've had to overcome uh, you know, I used to drink way too much alcohol. I haven't had alcohol in 10 years. I used to be 45 pounds heavier than I am now. 10 years ago, I got rid of all the fat and kept it off. I used to have low self-image and low self-confidence. I fixed uh, most of that. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. 
And if you want to talk about what, what, what I mean by most of that, uh, we can talk about that. So, but it's all because I've learned some processes to be able to access the, uh, my brain, specifically the subconscious mind where all of these things reside. No, it's, it's so well put. And I'm, I'm glad uh, that you put out this book for those very things. It's been very game changer for me. Um, there were two components that I, I really started instilling over the last few years. And the first was, what does the future Matt look like? And um, in terms of um, a life intuitively, how does it feel? And then the present Matt, what decisions am I making that are in alignment with that man that is living that? And in order to be able to make those decisions presently, I got heavily into meditation in the morning. And I don't mean the own meditation, but the, like you said, the mindful side of meditation, which is a lot of introspection, a lot of, um, you know, gratitude, looking at all the things that are going well, looking at the things that are like, hey, where can I make some changes? What's happening? Um, you know, uh, checking in with myself from the day before and, you know, and, and, and then keeping uh, very present and just having that. So I, I first do movement and then I go into um, into meditation. So at least my heart rate is up and then I do some form of meditation or introspection or gratitude. And it's been a complete game changer because the way I no longer really am reacting throughout the day, I'm basically... I'm just acting in a matter that is of my choices are able to make those type of choices in real time based on being aligned from a, uh, from a, the beginning of the day. Um, and that's not to say that I don't get tripped up every now and then because sooner or later people are going to find a trigger you didn't even realize you had. <laughs> and, and that's a perfect example of like, ah, uh, let me take awareness of that and let's dissect that real quick and understand why did I get triggered? Because this has nothing to do with that individual at all whatsoever. They just happen to find the trigger. Let's understand what that is so that way I can get rid of it. Uh, well, I can, I can release it. I can, like you said, you know, no shame, no, no judgment, no blame, no guilt. I want to get, I want to release it. And then, because I don't want it to be a part of my continuing um, either triggers or anything that could lead into a decision I make. So that's I think, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, so I think what what you're the, the fact that you know, and God bless you for doing twenty years, twenty twenty five years of research for that. I, I find the subject matter fascinating. I mean, it's it's truly unbelievable what we actually what we're so we're capable of so much more. And I I, I tell I tell people that all the time. Like you, you if you only knew how much you, you more control over you, not the rest of the world, but you, you can be. Your world will just shift completely. Well, and then it goes back to, you know, awareness, awareness is what gives you choice, right? Then choice yes. gives you the freedom uh, if, you, if you take advantage of the gift that you, you actually have. And, and that's, that's the beautiful part about all of this is, you know, your brain, my brain, every human's brain alive uh, for 99.9% .9 of the humans works the exact same way. Yes. Right? So the exact same components the exact same way. And so when I discover more about how my brain works uh, and then I become a better operator of my brain, then by default, I'm going to achieve different results. So true. But if you're not prepared to do the work, you shouldn't be prepared to accept the rewards. <laughs> That's a very <laughs> fair statement. <laughs> you know, I, right? I, yeah, I tell people, I'm like, rip that bandaid off as quickly as you can. They're like, why? I'm like, 
Well, I'm on year seven, eight. I mean, well, I, again, I was lucky enough to be raised with a lot of the concepts, but actually with, with real world application, maybe like the last nine years. And I was like, and it takes time. All the, the, the dealing with the self-awareness and the unlayering and the unpackaging and the understanding, it takes time. In, and, I, and I started to really understand that um, when they say it doesn't get easier, you just get better. And that's true. Because in a way, it does somewhat feel easier. Your your challenges become more at times, but like you're you become so much more flow that you work through, like you you just glide through certain things much faster than you would have the the you know the twenty year old version of you or the fifteen year old version of you. You know, so uh, you're right, you're right. And you know, the other thing I wanted to ask you about too is um, and I'm a firm believer in this because um, a lot of people uh, they they call me out and they say you're very spiritual but you're also very much about business. And I said, absolutely. I love both. And they go, yeah, they're like, normally people don't really tie those two together. And I said, I think they're absolutely meant to be tied together. Um, our, our self-aware self, our, our, our behavior, our character and, uh, you know, our spiritual self, not religion. I don't do the whole religious thing, but like, you know, the spirituality, right? Like how, how we behave, how we show up very much comes out in, how we do business or how we behave in business-like environments. Um, and in fact, I think that they make for even better business environments once you start breaking down and removing the ego and uh, removing that, um, that kind of way that, you know, corporate America or corporations around the world, I'll say, I'll speak from our own homeland, you know, from corporate America, how they're operating how they're even still some of them in existence based on how they're operating under these old models and paradigms. I'm, I'm, I, how those systems still work. I'm, I'm surprised like, because of, 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 I, I don't even see, understand where efficiency comes from. If they're not, you know, if the ego is in the way, I feel like ego is actually holding up so much more efficiency, profitability, um, you know, wellness of, of its employees, collaboration, you know, uh, growth. I mean, there's so many different things that it's just holding it up. I, you know, what's your, I, it's not really a question there as much as like, what's your take on this, you know, that, um, you know, mastering yourself and business, like it's all really one and the same. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot in there. I know. Yeah. There's a <laughs> lot in there. And, 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 you know, you said something, you know, some people tell you, you know, you're spiritual and you're business minded. That's like saying, well, you're religious and you're business minded. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, there's a, a big difference. There are some people who are religious that are not spiritual. And there are some people who are spiritual that are not religious. And I think there's, there's a, you know, a combination, right? And being spiritual um, doesn't necessarily mean you're following any religious sect, which was, in my opinion, anyway, man-made. Right. Absolutely. And so, you know, my my question is, if you go if you go past ten thousand years, uh, what religion was there? There wasn't any. Right. Right. And so somehow, you know, in two you know two hundred fifty thousand or so years of mankind walking on Earth in this form. Um, we invented religions, and, and that's okay. And so, you know, we, we invented religions to pay homage to, you know, either the sun, the earth, fire, water, wind, um, the, the, you know, the, the seasons, the, 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 the fruit, the food, et cetera, the animals, et cetera, for whatever reason. There's this intelligence that 
allows you and I to have life, to breathe in air, and it is in perfect um, combination of hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, carbon, and a few other elements, uh, for our planet to spin on its axis at dizzying speeds uh, with the moon in tow around the sun as the other elliptical uh, or the, the other planets in their elliptical orbits go around the sun uh, at their speeds as we're traveling and hurling through space at time at I think it's 65,000 miles an hour, something like that. Um, for the seasons to work perfectly and the sun, you know, the sun doesn't come up or set, it's we're spinning and that's the illusion that the sun comes up or set. But for all of this perfection to work, um, there's an intelligence that governs it. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hebrew, the word for water is maim. In French, it's lo. In English, it's water. Um, whatever you want to call this intelligence, I really don't care. <laughs> but there's only one source of supply. Um, there aren't yes. 10 gods, in my opinion. Uh, there's only one source of supply. And so that, to me, is the spiritual essence of every human being, every yes. animal, plant, and thing. And having this insatiable curiosity to get to know it better, which is me, right? It's, you know, I am an expression of it. Yes. Uh, I live here in San Diego, right, you know, here at the beach, and I could take a bucket of ocean water, um, you know, 500 or 1,000 miles inland. And what I have is some of the ocean that I took out of the Pacific Ocean. And, and that means that whatever's in that bucket is a part of the ocean water that I, you know, took from the ocean. And so whatever it is that created you and me and everything else, we are a part of that. We are a mini expression of that. Why not have the utmost respect and and health and appreciation and gratitude for the genius that's within you right now? Billions of years of evolution and all of that intelligence is in your cells and DNA. Not in your person you look at only, because yes, it's there too, but it's in you it's in me. It's in everyone and everything. And, you know, the saying that we're all connected is not just some metaphysical woo-woo bullshit right. phrase. Sure. We can scientifically, mathematically show that the gold that is in your body right now, and you do have some, came from the furnace of a star that was born out of the Big Bang explosion. That is in you and in me. And, and we have this brain as the most, the most powerful quantum biocomputer ever created by this intelligence. And we want to live our lives with self-doubt and limiting beliefs and disempowering habits or fears when we are limitless. We, you know, and and it, I, I, by the way, I, I love that you said it. it's not this like woo woo bullshit. You, I, science shows it. 
Like the, we're, right. we're living in such a beautiful time. We're actually si- like, you know, beforehand science was focused on a couple other things. Now science is like, oh, by the way, uh, yes, everything that's over here that you guys all thought were woo, it's not. Here's actually the data behind it. <laughs> and here's what's happening right. at the cellular level. <laughs> you know, so it's. That, that's exactly right. You know, it's a, it's an, a, it's a, it's an amazing time. And I love it because I feel like that's also um, bringing people further into it. Like, okay, I can't deny this, this, um, this, you know, these findings, I can't deny this data. So I might as well embrace it and, and move through it. Um, what do you, what do you have coming up by the way? I, I want to make sure to, to kind of, cause you've got, um, you've got inner sizes out and then you've got, you got a busy life, man. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I got a, a full life, a full life. Um, a full yeah. Life. For me, if anybody wants to, to follow what we've got going on, I do something called the brainathon. Um, with other brain experts and success experts around the world. We do uh, about an eight-hour free training on Saturday um, where people could sign up and watch, you know, some of the latest, greatest, best tools, techniques, and methods to, um, you know, upgrade your brain so you upgrade your income in your life. Uh, on that, we talk about one of our, you know, flagship programs that people, uh, I've got over 100,000 people using right now called Winning the Game of Money. Uh, I've got a variety of different programs that I create for people to uh, rewire or wire their brain the right way. I, I love to share and teach on my social media platforms and and get people to think differently about how spectacular they really are and how to help them overcome the stuff that we all deal with um, that holds us back. And as I mentioned, there's only five things that will hold you back. You're either lacking the knowledge or the skill. Uh, you have fears that you haven't learned how to manage. You have limiting beliefs about yourself and what's possible. You may have self-image issues where you think you're not good enough or smart enough for um, this or that. And you have habits that are just disempowering, all of which uh, you can change. Uh, but the key to change is goes back to the question that my mentor, Mr. Alan Brown, asked me. Are you interested in changing or are you committed? And um, you know they say that the only human that likes change is a wet baby. Um, but for people that are serious about having uh, a life that they're proud of, a life that they um, uh, feel has purpose and meaning, then you can learn how to change and make it easier um, and friction less uh, with upgrading your skills of understanding the the science and the nature of change. You know, it's like if I if I said to you, uh, can you run a marathon right now? No. Well, what if I said to you, if you and I agree that we're going to run a marathon a year from today um, and we were committed to doing it and then uh, I said, hey, let's hire us, you know, a coach to help us with what should we eat, um, what, how, how often should we work out, how much should we rest, how much sleep should we get, uh, what's the right workout schedule between now and a year from now, um, if you and I followed that thinking where I set the goal and then I do the right things in the right order at the right time. Could you and I safely jog a marathon a year from now? Yes. Of course we could. So the first thing we want to do is let's set a new goal. Let's set a goal that maybe you can't do right now. And then become committed to doing it. And then discover how you can versus why you can't. And then, you know, it's interesting too when you reverse engineer it. Because um, you start to actually see that it's it's easier than you think but just 
Um, but it's just a matter of steps that you need to take in order to achieve it. You know what I mean? But it's, it's usually once you actually think about where it is you want to go and it's something that I've really done a lot over the last few years, which is like, here's where the vision of where I want to go. Now let me actually think about like what's involved in getting there. And now let me break that down even further into like, okay, let's focus on these steps, which will get us to the next rung, which will get us to the next rung, so forth and so on. And it becomes much more calculated and confident. Uh, than, and and, than and by doing that as well, what, what you probably are not aware of is as soon as you figure out and use, you know, the, there's a part of your brain called the left prefrontal cortex. I call it the Einstein part of the brain. And it's the part of you that can imagine and choose. So when you figure out what I want, and you then invoke or activate the limbic part of your brain, the emotional part of your brain, and say, like, why do I really want this? Like, what, let me write down a whole bunch of reasons why I really want this. So you make this list of why. Now you're activating the emotional side of your brain. And then when you start writing down a couple of little action steps of, okay, here are three things that I could do today to move towards. It doesn't have to be big things, but three things. So what I just described to you is the what, why, and how method for achieving goals. And when you do that, you're activating several different parts of your brain that are responsible for activating motivation. And when you activate your motivational circuit in your brain, the nucleus accumbens and the insula part of your brain, you release dopamine. And when you release dopamine, you feel good. And when you feel good, you want to take action because the motor cortex has been activated as well. So when you follow just that simple process you just laid out, now you can achieve a goal. If, if we said again, let's just use you know, the um, uh, running a marathon or jogging a marathon a year from now, if you just started to do a five-minute walk today and another five-minute walk tomorrow, another yes. five-minute walk the next day, you would activate that motivational circuit. And if you could do that for the next um, at least 66 days, even if it's just five minutes a day, I guarantee you, you'll develop the habit, the thinking, the emotion, the self-confidence, the, the belief in yourself that you can actually do it. You know, um, I was reading an atomic, uh, atomic habit and, James, it was, yeah. and it was exactly what you were saying, um, of this, um, most of the time it's just the formation of the habit. The issue with a lot of people is like, Oh man, like that big thing that I wanted so far away. And so he was saying that one of his, uh, one of his readers was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the gym, but I'm not going to work out longer than five minutes. I, I think he started off with two minutes and then it was like five minutes. And he's like, I'm just, so what happened is every day for, um, it was like about a month or two, he was driving to the gym literally to go there for five minutes and then leave. And all he wanted to do was instill the habit because he knew he, he knew he would eventually just do the work. And so what, what happened is he got there after about two months and he's like, you know what? I'm already here. I might as well just keep working out. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. right. The, the, the hardest part showing up, right. Um, you know, Isaac Newton created, you know, the, the laws of motion. And I think of the second law of thermodynamics as an object in motion tends to stay in motion and an object at rest tends to stay at rest. Hmm. The hardest part is getting up and doing it. I have, I have this um, rule with myself and I teach it to all my students. Whenever I catch myself saying, I really don't feel like it or I don't want to, I do just a little bit. Truth. It's, and so, it changes everything. 
Yeah, when I don't feel like, for example, I, I work out six days a week. When I don't feel like it because I stayed up late or I woke up too early or I'm tired, I said, okay, I know you don't feel like it. Just do a little bit. Can you do 15 minutes? No, nah, I don't feel like doing 15 minutes. Can you do 10? No, I don't feel like 10. Can you do five? No, I, can't, I don't even want to do five. Can you just do one minute? Okay, I just can't say no to one minute. Then I do one minute and I end up doing 20. You know, and, and you're right. And also what happens is even if you did just do like five minutes, three minutes, there's still no less guilt or no guilt because you got up and did something. That's right. There's, there's something that I teach as well, and it's called the habit is more important than the intensity at first. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> it's so true. Because you, right? you so, feel good going into action. If it's just for right. a minute, you're like, well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, you keep going. You're, you're 100% right. There's, there's a couple of things that, that happen when you do that. Right? So, so when you say, okay, I'll, I'll do a minute anyway, then guess who's in control? You are. Guess whose self-confidence just got built? Yours did. Guess who just reinforced a positive behavior versus a negative one? Yours just did. So by just doing a little bit, you reinforce so many other neural muscles. So with my kids, I've been using this with my two sons who are 24 and 22 now. And they're like, dad, that's one of the best things you ever did with us. Because whenever we say I don't feel like it, and it's something that I know I want to do, right? It's the difference between that and saying, do you want to go eat here or do you want to go eat there? It's like, you know, do you want to go to the gym? No, I don't feel like it, but I'll just do a minute. You know, I've done that with my kids all along. I said, I know you guys don't feel like it, neither do I, but let's just do, you know, five-minute, uh, you know, stretching and uh, include, you know, five sit-ups. And then how do you feel? I feel great because I did something. Something is better than no thing. That's true. So yeah. true. Yeah, and, and you know, and uh, again, it just removes that that guilt of like, yeah, no, I moved, I, I got up. You know, it, it, the, the power of actually still getting up and doing it changes everything movement puts you into yeah. a whole different state of being you so, change your state that's right that's exactly it john this is incredible man so, so where 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 can everybody i think we you started to talk about it but I, I want you to say it again for everybody where can everybody find you online how can they reach out how can they learn more about your programs and things that you got going on i love it so a couple things um every uh i'm just starting by the time this comes out uh, i'm starting a private group on facebook um, called Achieve Even More. And I'll be doing, you know, little free things like that on the Facebook group. Uh, for anybody who's on Facebook, Achieve Even More. Um, and um, that's part of my brand. And then I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on um, Twitter. Um, so you can follow me. And you can also follow my company, Neurogym. And uh, you can go to myneurogym.com, myneurogym.com, and sign up for our newsletter. There's always just killer content on, um, on how to make your life the masterpiece uh, it deserves to be. I'm all about strengthening your mindset and uh, giving you greater emotional control and resiliency so you achieve your goals faster and easier than ever before. That's, that's my whole motto. Uh, incredible. And I mean, sir, you come with some years of incredible experience and talent. So I, I, I'm so grateful for you to come on. It's a very, it's a very uh, closing, you know, circle of, uh, you know, of 
just going back years, you know, of, of following you and, and understanding, you know, your path and, and uh, learning from you. So thank you so much for that. Truly yeah, appreciate you're it. You're welcome. Well, do you want to hear something funny? I'll, 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 I'd like to maybe close my part with one thing. <clears throat> Many years ago, uh, I wrote this, um, uh, I mean, crazy goal. I had no idea how to, how to, this might even be possible. I said, ah, what the heck, I'm going to write it anyway. And, and I've done that a few times in my life, but this one was like crazy. This was before I even got into the personal development arena, really. And I said, I somehow want to positively impact the lives of 1 billion people on the planet. Right? Like, and I was like, who the fuck are you to even think you can you know, help a million people, let alone a billion? I just said, well, you know, my job is to set the goal. The universe conspires to help me. And I believe that. Absolutely. And so this was a year before The Secret came out, the movie. And since The Secret came out, it was watched by 500 million people. Mm-hmm. And that got my books well-known. I've got several New York Times best-selling books. I've been in seven other movies as a result of one thing leading to the next. But who would have ever thought that? And so if I can positively impact uh, people that follow your work because you're doing great work in the world, then you and I collaborate to help people. It's exactly and, right. and And so it doesn't have to be like me teaching directly to a billion people. It could be through other people's work and, and vice versa. And so my um, fourth highest value is contribution to others and, and the universe and the planet. And so anything I can do to support your amazing, awesome work, the answer is yes. So thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And stay back for one second. I'm going to kick with you here offline. But uh, everybody just wanted to, to, I hope you guys reach out to this man. Reach out to him. I've been following him for a very long time. John Asaraf. You check him out at myneurogym.com. John Asaraf on Twitter, on Insta. He's got his Facebook group coming out. You guys already know how I feel about Facebook groups. I have a few of the private ones. Some of you guys are in there. Uh, and just, you know, this idea of, um, you're not your story. You're more than your story. In fact, you're any story you'd like yourself to be at any given time you decide to make that kind of choice. And so, uh, you know, appreciate each and every one of you guys as always for the hustle sold separately for John Asraf, for my guest, uh, as my guest and myself, we are out. Yeah. <laughs>